0: Right, this is real life. This is real talk. And she said, "You gotta pinch their neck," and she showed me the spot. And I'm telling you, it was a game changer. All moms know this. It was a game changer because it's kind of like D2. D2, I love him, but he is everywhere, all the time, all the time, everywhere. There's D2. That's it. And so if you get up the neck, now he does this thing. He's like, Ooh. he's trying to dodge my neck thing. That's awesome. I don't know where I was going with that at all. Um, And so uh, we have great stuff going on at the church. Uh, We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Okay, I'm going to try this again. Don't wonder if I'm at church. We overcome. Thank you, Danita, for being in the house today. So for those of you that do not know, I'm the youth pastor here at Lighthouse. I've been the youth pastor, this is my fourth year. I am securely in my fourth year. So I've seen a a lot of things in the youth. Matter of fact, I have cycled through youth. Like I've done the whole, you know, some of the youth that I had when I started are now out and married. (laughs) It's like, so wow, I'm getting old, (laughs) you know, but, but anyways, I've cycled through, I've seen some things in the next generation, you know, uh, and God is moving in the verge phenomenally. It is amazing. Now, listen, I will say this. First of all, I will take absolutely no credit for what God is doing in the verge because it is divine and it is phenomenal to watch. Now, listen, I will take responsibility because I do steward it and I do have a measure of obligation to be obedient to the holy spirit so i'm not i'm not totally separating myself from the whole thing but god is doing some amazing things in the last 3 months we've had 12 students give their heart to the lord now when you have a when you have a youth group of 40 people and 12 of them give 12 students give their heart to the lord now listen to me what's so cool about it is they're giving their heart to the lord during worship they're not even it's not even the word i get up there and uh, some of the same, uh, you know, uh, characters are pr- playing with me. Like I, could, I want them to follow. I want them to follow me around with that worship. <laughs> anyways, and so we we're, we close out worship, and I will just clearly just articulate the gospel in like a couple minutes, and then you'll just see the hands. Cause here's what I believe. I believe a lot of us know God here, but our hearts are far from Him. And what worship does is worship kind of opens your heart to the things of God. And so we've had 12 students uh, come to the Lord. Uh, A couple uh, uh, Wednesdays ago, I was closing out worship and uh, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, uh, I want you to pray in, in the Holy Spirit over your students. Um, he called them children and if I call them children it's kind of weird but anyways uh, they are my children you know uh, in some some aspects and he says I want you to pray over your students and so I began to pray in the Holy Spirit over my students now if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit man you need to pray in that language as much as you possibly can Paul Paul encourages us that in in Corinthians and I don't know how anybody's in ministry or how you function in your life without praying in the Holy Spirit I pray in the Holy Spirit all the time so anyways I'm praying in the Holy Spirit but when I'm praying have you Ever prayed and it sounded different than your normal prayer edification language? I know I'm talking super spiritual, and maybe Dr. Kramer is going to have to, you know, uh, explain some of this and teach some of this later on. But we are in church, right? So <laughs> if this is a place I could talk about baptism, of the Holy Spirit should be right here. I'm just saying. Uh, and so I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, and it's like this different, different dialect, or I don't know. It was it was, was kind of strange. So I just went with it, two or three minutes. And uh, Paul says that when you have a tongue. You need to have an interpretation. That's what that's what the Apostle Paul says. So I get to the end of my tongue and, you know, end of my whatever I did, you know, speaking over the kids, and, and I pause and I have nothing. It's crickets. Like I'm thinking, I'm going to have the interpretation for this tongue. I went out there and I have nothing. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay, that's all right. I have an awesome team of mature believers that understand where I just went, right? So I'm thinking, surely my team members will have it. And so I pause and I say, hey, does anybody have a word? And one by one by one by one, there's this line that begins to form. And two of them were my leaders and eight of them were my students. And one by one, I went and said, what is the Lord saying to you? And they just declared what God was saying to them and what was saying to their peers and it was amazing. It was like, it was heaven. It was heaven on earth is what it was. And the words were right on. And listen to me. The words were given from students that normally don't talk a lot. Like they were reserved. And so you, you, I just saw God doing this amazing thing. So he, he shared, and the words were like spot on. I mean, we didn't have to correct any of them. There are 10 words. I didn't have to give a scripture. I didn't have that. They were straight up, just right perfect. And then Reuben Spencer, do anybody know Reuben, Big Reuben? Is Big Reuben here today? I don't know if he's out or whatever, driving or something, but uh, Big Reuben's on my team, and and, uh, uh, I believe in uh, raising up preachers, so I don't just preach, I have a team that preaches, because I believe that we need to raise up a generation that knows how to declare the Word of God, and it can't just come through me, it needs to come through a bunch of us. And so, uh, Reuben is bringing the Word, and he brings a Word, uh, and I'm going to steal, I don't think he's here, so I can steal his thoughts. (laughs) These are for He talks about uh, Abraham and Lot. You remember, Abraham goes out with Lot and there's a time in their relationship where Abraham has to separate from Lot. And as soon as Abraham separates from Lot, he receives this declaration of blessing in his life. And Reuben, he spins it and he says, there are a lot of lots in our lives that we need to separate from. And all this stuff was like, uh, you know, melding with the words that came uh, from the, the students, going to the next level, going to the, I share this because I think this is a word for you and for me, that sometimes we run with people that we shouldn't be running with anymore. And we need to spend some time and separate from them. Now, listen, as soon as Abraham separates from Lot, he receives this blessing. And Reuben said this, I love this. He says, some of you have been sharing your inheritance with lots in your life. And I was like, wow, wow. So if you're here this morning and uh, scripture says that bad company corrupts good morals, maybe there are some lots in your life. Maybe you're wondering, how do I go to the next level? I'll tell you how you go to the next level is you analyze who you're running with and make some strategic decisions um, that will unlock the blessing of the Lord in your life, because it's all, it's there. You know you have full inheritance is ready for you to walk in. It's not Jesus's, he's not the barrier. It's our decisions that are the barrier. And so if we'll be transparent with the Lord and move in that direction, that was none of my sermon today. All right. Does anybody in here have a problem with losing things? I need to see those hands. Raise those hands real high in the air. How many like how many have lost something this morning? <laughs> here you go, yeah. Come on, man. I lose things. I lose everything. Man. And I've I've realized why I lose things. The reason why I lose things is first of all, I can't remember where I put them. <laughs> Now, I work for a doctor that is really, really smart. And so Pastor Ken says stuff like this. Your systems, systems create behaviors. Broken systems, bad behaviors. Thank you, doctor. That's awesome. Here's my problem with that logic. (laughs) Reason why I lose stuff is because I don't like stuff in my pocket. So I put stuff in my pocket and you need pockets. So I put stuff in my pockets and then without knowing or thinking about it, I take the things out of my pocket and I put them down. Then I leave and forget where I put my stuff. The broken system is in in the head, (laughs) creating the bad behavior. And the problem I have, the problem I have is I'm 42 years old and I don't know if that system's gonna get, I don't know if that's gonna work. I mean, I believe in miracles, so I'm still holding out. so I lose things. I lose things. And, and what's good in my life is God, God just loves me so much. I mean, he brings, he brings people around me that just pick up my stuff and bring it back to me. <laughs> you, you didn't know that if you're my friend, you're going to have to pick up my stuff and bring it back to me. And here, I'll just, I'll just tell you straight up, I, it drives me crazy that you have to do that for me. <laughs> you know like I, like i said i work for a doctor that is streaming and I, if you don't know pastor ken you need to hang out with him he is smart and he is smart smart so he comes like we'll have we'll have lunch and he's like hey how things going you know we're chatting up and and then i'll get in his car and he'll give me my wallet and my keys and i'm like oh why do you hire me why am i hired It must be anointed. It has to be because this is not looking good for our relationship. And he is so full of grace. Like one time I was like, oh, I feel so bad about it. I'm like, you shouldn't have to. I'm an adult. I can do this. (laughs) And he says, oh, Pastor Daniel so endearing. (laughs) Oh. So I just lose things. I lose things. The other, uh, a couple, a month ago, I lost Joy. (laughs) I can't make this stuff up, don't you? I wake up in the morning, my wife says this, Daniel, you have to take Joy home from church today. And I said, sure, baby, that's right. Gotcha, wink. Totally can do that. Go to college. Smart. Now, my daughter... Uh, has caught on to this thing that Daddy's a little absent-minded. You know? She's adjusted. So <laughs> how how many believe in adjustments? You have to adjust. And so she's adjusted. She she comes up to me all bubbly like this. You know and this is her hair. Above. Hey, Daddy, please don't forget me. You gotta take me home today. Sure, baby. Gotcha. You're so cute. <laughs> Sure enough, (laughs) service ends, I'm in my car, I'm driving home. (laughs) The bad thing about it is I remembered as I was driving in my driveway and I see my wife, I live on the second floor and I see my wife on the top like this. (laughs) And immediately I knew the house was not on fire. (laughs) Immediately I knew what the deal was. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that thing about being a dad and forgetting your kid. Yeah, that just happened to me right there. (laughs) So for some reason I rolled down the window, which I was like, why did I do that? You know, hey, let's just have this really bad, awkward conversation, right? (laughs) Hey, yeah, yeah, I should go get her. Yeah. but like i said i have these awesome people in my life so i come back to church and sure enough joy's in the parking lot with emily and jojo and she's got her you know my friends to pick up my lost things <laughs> right there i'm like if you're gonna lose some lose your kids, you lose them at church it's probably the best place you know and then i was thinking you know that's i'm a bad some of you are like i'm not listening to this guy i don't know what he's doing he's a bad parent I don't know if I should trust what he says. But here's the deal. Jesus' parents lost him. Ha <laughs> ha. Matter of fact, it was a day's journey. <laughs> they lost God. <laughs> I mean, how do you explain that to your wife? We just lost God. maybe we should go back and get him (laughs) I think he's got a plan for us (laughs) I don't know a whole day so so Jesus' parents lost him so I'm like shoot I'm good I lost joy (laughs) but I didn't lose God (laughs) there's hope for me there's always hope so losing things, lost things. So I'm on this lost lost thing. Turn turn with me to Luke chapter 15, and we'll be there in a second. Luke chapter 15. If not, uh, I had Sarah print out the whole chapter on your notes. There are no fill in the blanks, and you can thank me later. <laughs> I'll run this thing how I want now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> And so I was thinking about this lost and found, lost and found. The parable we're going to talk about is lost and found. There is no lost and found in the church. Did you know that? Is there, Sarah, is it on your desk? Ah, see, nobody knows where the lost and found is in the church one time the lost and found was in a closet and it was like this little spot and then then it was in the church i think they had a committee and changed it i was not on that committee i don't know there's no lost and found and then i was thinking well the reason why there's no lost and found is because the church should be a place where the lost is found (laughs) the reason why we don't have a specific location for the lost and found is because the whole church is a lost and found and here's the deal I'll just let you know, and I don't know how many people we have here, but this will help help me in my life. If you lost your Bible, don't ask me, I don't know where my keys are. You know what I'm saying It's here somewhere. It's in the big lost and found. And then I start thinking, you know if the church is supposed to be a place where lost people are found, and the church is not a building, the people are the building, then we should be the lost and found. We should be the ones seeking the lost and helping them find their place. And so I want to talk to you about lost and found. and uh, In in Luke chapter 15, are you with me here today? Uh, Luke chapter 15, Jesus shares the parable of the lost sheep. Now, when you are studying scripture, it's important to figure out the context of the scripture. What do I mean by the context? The context in which this parable was spoken, who, what, when, where, and why? That's what I ask. Who, what, when, and where, and why? Who is Jesus talking to? Now, in this particular passage, Jesus is talking to the tax collectors. You can read it right there on your page. He's talking to the tax collectors. He's talking to the sinners, or up there on the screen, right there. Oh, man. (laughs) It's real. The struggle is real. Extend your hand for hair. No, I'm just kidding. So you have the sinners, you have tax collectors, and you have the Pharisees. They are all gathered to listen to Jesus. Now, the Pharisees, Pharisees basically were Jewish people that lived in the law. They lived according to the law, but they have lived according to the law so much and they've added law to it that they were obedient on the outward, but their heart was far from God. So they had created this religious system and they were far from Jesus. Now, Jesus comes onto the scene and he is known as a friend of sinners. And so the Pharisees, they looked, um, they looked. They didn't hang out with certain people, but Jesus hung out with people that they wouldn't hang out with. And Jesus was calling himself the son of God. So the Pharisees were ticked off. And so in this scripture, they're murmuring, they're wondering why, why Jesus are you hanging out and eating with sinners? And so, Then Jesus shares this parable. Now, when Jesus shares a parable, there is one main point when he shares a parable. And I'll back up. In this particular parable, I think that the parable of the lost sheep should be studied all three of them together because Jesus communicated all three of them together. All right. Now, you can get different insights from each, every one. You have the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. You can, you, can, uh, you can get certain truths from them, but we need to look at them all together because Jesus is trying to communicate one central truth. And if you get nothing out of this service today, the one central truth that Jesus is communicating on this uh, particular parable is that God joyfully seeks out lost and wayward sons and daughters. That he willingly, joyfully goes after lost things to find them, lost people to find them. That not only does he seek to save the lost, but he is joyful in the process. So that is the point that Jesus is making from this parable. And he is speaking to the sinner and he is speaking to the tax collector and he is even speaking to the Pharisee in this parable. So we're going to go through this parable. I'm going to highlight some few things from it. And then we're going to land this plane in a timely manner in Jesus name. If you use Jesus a lot and things work. (laughs) Are you still with me? Verse four, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, I want to I submit to you this morning that the lost sheep represents somebody that was in the fold that wanders away, the lost coin represents someone that doesn't know they're lost, and the lost son represents somebody that has willfully, purposely walked away from God. And so Jesus is communicating to us three types of individuals, the sheep, the coin, and and the son. Now, when the sheep goes away, what does Jesus do? Jesus said, he says, he goes and finds it. And when he finds the sheep, he joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders and brings them home. I love this. Like if a sheep goes and wanders, they're probably dirty and smelly and they've gotten in things they're not supposed to get into. And the Shepherd goes and he leaves the 99, goes to the one and joyfully picks, like who wakes up in the morning and be like, you know what, I'm gonna pick up a sheep, put it around my shoulders and bring it home and I'm gonna smile when I do it. Nobody. But Jesus is communicating to us that when somebody in our fold, somebody in our flock makes some bad decisions and wanders from the flock How are we supposed to communicate to them? What is our demeanor from them? Now, let me, with a show of hands, how many, well, let me do this one first. How many of you have wandered like a sheep? We all go astray. How many have wandered in your life from Jesus? look around, most of our hands are raised and one that isn't raised is holding a baby. (laughs) So we understand that sometimes we make decisions and we end up wandering from the faith. But sometimes, when people wander from the faith, what kind of response do they get from us? When he finds the lost sheep, he joyfully picks that sheep up and puts him on his shoulder, comes back home and throws a party, calls all his friend, friends, let's rejoice, we have a lost sheep that has come home. I think sometimes the church, we get angry when people leave, we get mad when people leave. When when we see them, we accuse them. And when we see them, we're like, where have you been? What's wrong with you? You, you're horrible. You made bad decisions. Jesus shares this parable. to sinners and Pharisees, and he's telling them what the heart of the father is. The heart of the father is that we would seek and save the ones that have wandered from the flock, that, that we should have a desire, that there should be something in us that says, you know what, I'm going to leave church this morning because this brother is not here today. I would rather not be here than run after them. And when I see them, I'm not going to accuse them. I'm going to gather them. I'm going to hold them. I'm going to embrace them. I'm going to put them on my shoulders and I'm going to carry them back to the flock. I'm mean, Where have we gone wrong? What needs to change in our thinking that, that somehow we think we have such an awesome relationship with God and we're so self-righteous that people can't make a couple bad decisions and wander from our flock and we not pursue them. That is ridiculous. And we, as people of God, not just me, not just a pastor, but you, me, sons and daughters of the most high God, received, and like we said, all of you have wandered. Somebody went and got you. Somebody brought you back. Somebody said, where have you been? I've missed you. I've missed you. And who's that person in your mind that's popping up right now? Who should be in your seat right next to you that's not here? Who was here last year that's not here this year? Who was here that had some bad things happen that maybe they went through a trial or a tribulation? Maybe the cares of the world just dropped up, uh, just snuck up on them. Maybe they've made some wrong decisions. Maybe they're down and out. Who is going after them? Is it you? Is it me? Who? Somebody. Somebody. Jesus would leave this church today and he would go and he would grab them up and he would put them on their shoulder on his shoulders and bring them back home and when they came home there would be no judgment there would be no suck it up there would be no you need to straighten up your life it would be like hey let's throw a party let's rejoice because you're back in our fold that's our God that's how our God views people he joyfully pursues. I mean, I, and, and, I, and I, the, the listen, my vision for The Verge is influencing a generation to be passionate followers of Jesus. Here's the deal. Jesus passionately follows us. If you'll raise a generation that passionately follows him, and he's already passionately following us, that's when things happen. And so a lot of time in church, and, and here, I'm one of them, so raise your hands, give them all you have, pray. Jesus is actively pursuing you. I mean, it is his desire, it is his delight, it is his joy. You could walk away from him, you can turn away, and he always will pursue you. He is, has an everlasting love towards you, unconditional. He is pursuing people that are lost 24-7 every day of the week. His desire is to pursue people that are lost. And I think in the church as a whole, and I'll be careful when I say, because I'm not, I'm not bringing this on you. I, hey, I'm part of this. I, I'll own this. We need to passionately follow and bring back people that have wandered from the faith. And it needs to be something that is not just, hey, let's just preach about this Sunday. It needs to be part of our culture in this house to bring back people that have wandered away. So then he follows with the coin. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one of them. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I love this picture here. Picture is a woman losing a coin. Some say it's a widow who'd have ten coins that would be a, a, a necklace lost. Uh, ten lost ten percent of her earnings, and, and she would live in a house that didn't have light, so she would have to light a lamp, and she searched for this coin carefully. Oh, I love that word right there. Now the coin represents somebody that doesn't know they're lost. Do you know somebody that doesn't know they're lost? You know what I'm talking about here? They're probably your coworkers. They think they have all, thi- they think they have it together. They have no concept of who Jesus is and what, they w- what he will do in their life. And what what is the, the woman does? The woman lights the lamp and searches for it carefully. Here's the deal. As believers in Jesus, we need to be searching carefully for lost coins that are in our influence. And we need to be careful about how we approach and how we communicate to a lost coin because it will determine if they're found or not. And so we, but we need to be conscious of that. You were a lost coin, weren't you? (laughs) I know I was. When I encountered Jesus, I had no idea of his goodness. I had no idea of the amount of love he had for me, no clue. I didn't have an understanding, I was ignorant of it. And then when I found Jesus, uh, I would say he found me. He said, hey, you, didn't, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. When, when I pursued him, when I yielded my heart to whoever you are, Jesus, he was right there knocking on my heart as well. And I realized the magnitude of his love. But there were so many things that, that went into me, just you know, little old me, well, big old me, uh, coming to Jesus. How many of those people do you have in your life? Can you name the lost coins by name? Like at the gym, in your work, in your family? Where, what are their names? We should be actively pursuing people that don't have a clue of who he is. We are God's representation on planet earth. We are to represent Jesus And we are to seek those that don't have any clue. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a lost coin. Maybe you just haven't realized the magnitude of God's love for you. I welcome you. The church should be a place that welcomes people that are far from Jesus. Like, we don't have to change how we do things. But there needs to be, we need to have a measure of inviting people that don't believe in our services so that they have an opportunity to believe in the one that can save their soul. And so there's lost sheep, there's lost coins. The last parable is the lost son. Now, Jesus, this is the longest of the parables. And I'll, I'll break some Are you still with me today? Okay. I'll break some of this stuff down. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began, began to be in need. So he went and hired himself Out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. So we have this son gets his inheritance, sets off from the father's house. And then he has a couple things that happen in his life. Now, listen, he squanders his wealth with wild living, but the translation does not indicate that he was sleeping with prostitutes like his older brother says here later, and I'll bring back to it. He was basically mismanaging the inheritance that he got from his father. He willingly leaves his father's house. He blows his money. At the same time he goes broke, there is a famine which creates a need. Then he finds himself hired out and he is feeding pigs. For a Jewish person to be feeding pigs would be ridiculous. He is actually feeding things that they deem unclean. So this is a ridiculous occurrence happening in his life. And so he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything Verse 17, if you are in here and you are a wayward son or daughter, I want you to listen to this. And if you are in here today and you have a wayward daughter or son, I want you to listen to these next statements. Verse 17, when he came to his senses. Lost sheep wander. Lost coins don't know they're lost. Lost sons and daughters purposely choose to be separated. And they come back when they come to their senses. I just set some of you free right there. They come back when they come to their senses. Now listen, mom or dad, I want to give you some permission to do something. Pray this prayer with me. (laughs) Lord, have them come to their senses. That's a dangerous prayer because some of you have been praying for protection. Some of you have been praying for blessing. Some of you have been praying that God uh, somehow helps them in their time of uh, uh, destroying or bad decisions. But the best prayer you can pray is, Jesus, I give control over to you. Lord, I pray that they come to their senses because if you pray a prayer like that, then you are allowing God to do what only God can do and create a situation to where they wake up. Sometimes people have to wake up and come to their senses before they come back to the fold. And you have to release responsibility for other people. That is not your responsibility to carry. You are to shepherd and to steward your way, your kids, but you do not have control of them. So you release them and you say, Lord, please let them come. To their senses. Now, listen to me. Now, let's see what happens when they come to their senses, how we are supposed to respond to the wayward son or daughter that comes to their senses. Here's the wayward son says this. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father, came to his senses and then repents right there. That's his declaration of repentance. Now I want you to see the father's response. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father was consistently looking on the horizon for his lost son, and when there was a glimmer, hey, have you ever seen somebody you love walk? You can pick them out in an amusement park. Does anybody else like you know how they walk? Like so, you could be in bush Gardens and see your child from you know uh, you know uh, like me. I lose my kids, so <laughs> so when I lose joy. <laughs> I can look and I can see how, I'm like, bang, there'd be thousands of people and I can pick joy out in a minute. There she is right there. Right there is D2. And the father was looking. Right there he is. That's my son. That's my son right there. And he he not only says, that's my son, he goes and runs to his son. Now, this broke every tradition. Him running Broke every, grabbing, look, what what does it say? He saw him and was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around and kissed him. Broke every tradition, everything that he should have done, he broke it because he saw his kid. He had compassion and that compassion turned to passion, which turned to action. And he went and listen to me, this is what communicates the father's love towards us, towards the lost son so much. He didn't even have a time, he didn't have a chance to repent. That's amazing to me. He's feeding pigs, decides, you know what? This isn't gonna work. <laughs> I gotta go back home. And what do you do when you come back home? I mean, some of you, do you remember when you didn't, didn't do what you were supposed to do with, for your parents? You and your brother, you and your sister got together and you had the perfect uh, speech. (laughs) Well, here's how this is going to go. We're going to go to dad and we're going to say this, we're going to say this, we're going to say this, and then he's going to love us. (laughs) Right? I know I did it with my brother. We'd break something and we'd come together. How are we going to get through this? Let's work this. Well, that's what happened to the older son. He comes to his senses. He gets his speech down but he goes and doesn't even have a chance to say anything because his father embraces him, hugs him, kisses him. And then he says, then the son says to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to call your son. He doesn't allow him to finish the speech. And the father says, servants, quick, bring the best robe. The robe symbolizes forgiveness and covering from the father and put it on him. And he put the ring on his finger, which symbolizes his restored identity. And he put sandals on his feet, which symbolizes the fact that he had new, renewed purpose and a mission in his life. He said, bring the fattened calf and kill it and let's have a feast and celebrate for the son. My son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So he began to celebrate. So you see the heart of the Father. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? You have the sheep that has wandered. You pursue. You have the coin that is lost. We search carefully. You have the son that has walked away, and we pray that he comes to their senses. But when they return to the house. We don't accuse. We run to them. We embrace them. We put a robe of righteousness. You are forgiven from Christ Jesus. We put a ring on their finger. You have an identity in Christ. You are a co-heir with Christ. You put sandals on them. You run the race now. You don't have to start over. You run the race. Pick up where you were. And so you see this heart. And then Jesus turns the parable and talks to the Pharisee. Now, I will say this to you. Are you still with me? I don't know if I'm going long or not. Pastor Ken said I can preach all day. No, he didn't really say that. In verse 23, Jesus turns it and talks to the Pharisee. And I think this is really important for us as a church. I think Jesus is talking to the church because here's the deal. If you would be honest with yourself, I I, here, I'll just be honest with, with myself. I have probably been in thousands of thousands and thousands of services. I have heard thousands of sermons. I am I come here every week. And if I am not careful, all that word, all that worship, all that truth can cause me to have a little bit of spiritual pride and start looking at people like why don't you just get your life together? because I somehow have it all together because I've been following Jesus for 15 years and have been in thousands of services. Well, no wonder your life is in order. (laughs) I didn't have much to do with it. (laughs) I've been under the teaching and the worship of Jesus. Therefore, things begin to align. And if we're not careful week after week, day after day, we can be in our word and then we can end up being a Pharisee. I do not want to face Jesus and you should not want to face Jesus either. And him look at you and say, you are the reason why people didn't come into the kingdom of God. Because you had some kind of religious spirit on you and Jesus speaks. And I think he's speaking to the church and you don't have to believe me with that, but I know he's speaking to the Pharisee. And uh, of course, we don't have any of those in the house today. Verse 25, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has has him back safe and sound. And I'll read this first verse. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. First of all, the older brother didn't even know that there was a party happening on the estate. Because you know why? He was probably busy working. He was busy in his pew, in the front pew. Somebody steals your seat. (laughs) How dare they come into this house for the very first time and steal my row? It's my church. He's working. He's working. He doesn't know. He doesn't have time to celebrate. Why are we celebrating? We got all this work to do party going on. Who's this party for? Oh, your brother's come back. What? You mean that punk that stole, took that inheritance and squandered it? You mean that brother? Yeah, he's back. Matter of fact, your brother's back and your dad's throwing him a huge party. <laughs> oh, great. Well, that makes me kind of mad because I've been here working and I didn't have no party. I'm not going in. Now this, to me, is one of the most amazing things that Jesus does in this parable. Because his response to the Pharisee blows me away. As I'll tell you right now, I am not here because I, I don't like Pharisees. <laughs> Jesus communicates something a little different. Look what the father does. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Whew. I'm like Jesus, you are awesome. Father went out and pleaded with the Pharisee Jesus. In this parasy, in this parable, is pleading with the Pharisees that are about to crucify him. He's pleading with them. Here's the son look all these years i've been slaving for you never disobeyed your orders yet you never gave me an even young goat so i could celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours check it out he doesn't even call him his brother <laughs> this is what happens when my kids do something wrong it happens to you too janifer your son But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Now, listen, let me pause there for a second. He did not squander the wealth with prostitutes. He mismanaged his wealth. Here's what Pharisees will do. Pharisees will take a measure of truth and then, and then add their own interpretation on it. So they make sinners look worse than sinners are, actually are. Huh. And that's a sign of being a Pharisee is when you elaborate things which causes destruction in people's lives. So you need to be careful, Pharisee. Verse 31, here's what his father says. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Jesus is telling the Pharisee, everything that is mine has been freely given to you. And I love this verse 32. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Jesus gives us a great way to respond to Pharisees. He shows compassion. Hey, this is your church. We appreciate you. I'm so glad you come here every week. I'm so glad. You give generously. I'm so glad you serve every opportunity you have you serve. But we're not here for us. We're here for the lost one. We're here for the empty seat. We're going after the one for the empty seat. We're going after the lost. We're going after the lost sheep, the lost coin, and we're gonna bring them back home. We are here for you. You are here for us, and we are here to bring glory to his name and bring as many people that are lost into this house. That's the mission and the vision of the church. Jesus communicates this to a fashion to say, hey, Pharisee, I hear you, but my son who is dead, is now alive. And we're going to celebrate regardless if you want to celebrate or now. So you can sit in your pew, you can sit in your seat, you can murmur, you can complain, but as for me and my whole household, we're going to go after the lost one. We're going to go after the, the one that is away from the fold. We're going to passionately pursue people that are far from God, and we're not changing that mission for anybody. And that's the heart of the father. Uh, and I'll close with this. Uh, uh, if Jesus does this wonderful thing in this parable, cause he leaves it undone, doesn't he? Like the son could have came back, had the party and leave and go back out. But we don't know where he went. The Pharisee, the father comes out and pleads with him, but we don't know if he repents. What happened to the parable? Why did you leave it open, Jesus? The reason why Jesus leaves this parable open is because we're supposed to reflect on it. Because we're a lost sheep, a lost coin, or a lost son, or we're a Pharisee that needs adjusting to go out and find them. Jesus leaves the parable open so that we could reflect in our responsibility in the eternal truth that Jesus joyfully pursues people that are far from him. And listen to me, church, if you compassion for the loss has waned because of religious activities, because of the cares of the world, I am here to tell you that you need to renew ask the Lord to renew and refresh your desire for lost things. Because if we are creating a community that just gathers but doesn't add people to our community, then we are just building a club. We have a club and we're not a church. And so Jesus is telling us that we need to wake up. So if you could stand with me this morning, just have a few questions and then we'll finish Maybe you're here today and you're a lost sheep. Maybe you've made some bad decisions and you've wandered from the flock. My prayer, since the Lord put this uh, message on my heart a few months ago to share this Sunday, my heart has been that God would bring in, that he would draw in the lost sheep of our fold and so with all uh, eyes closed, heads bowed, if that's you this morning, if you would say, Pastor Daniel, I have wandered from the faith, I don't know. I woke up this morning, somebody promised me lunch and I came, <laughs> but my heart is just far from God and I've made some bad decision, I've made some choices, I've, I've wandered from the truth. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand real high in the air. How many this morning? I see your hand, how many? I see your hand. How many more? How many more? How many more? Now listen to me. Here's what Jesus is telling you this morning is that he's grabbing you up. Not in your strength, in his strength. And he is putting you on his shoulders and he is bringing you back into the fold. And you are welcomed here. You are welcomed back. He is calling all his friends right now to tell him that he has brought his wayward son home. And here's the deal, What, what each one of these parables says is that when they repent, repentance means to change your mind. So here's the deal, you have made some decisions that have led you astray. You have made decisions willfully that has caused you to walk far from God He has come to you, he has picked you up, put you on your shoulder, and your response is to change your mind, to change your behavior and stay in the fold. That is your responsibility. So listen to me, you choose to stay in the fold. The second one is a lost coin. Maybe you're in here this morning and and you're like new to this Christianity stuff, you don't know. You don't know the up, the down. You don't know if there's a many God or if there's one God. You, you're just kind of trying to figure out what this whole thing is. I, first, I want to say, I want to welcome you. I've prayed for you to be in this service today. And maybe today something registered in you the Holy Spirit has drawn you to a, to a determination if you're going to follow Jesus. Here's the deal. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That word believe means to trust, to put your weight on. The only person that can save you is the person and his name is Jesus. He is the only one. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except him, through him. No one. And if you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus and today is your day, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you come into the fold. Today is the day that you become a son or a daughter of the most high God. Today is the day that your life starts. If that's you this morning, I want you to raise your hand real high in the air. How many, how many this morning want to come to the Lord Jesus? How many, how many? I see those hands, I see you. I see you. How many more? That's right, today is the day of salvation. Today, not tomorrow, today. How many? Every time I preach the gospel, my prayer is Lord Jesus, send me someone that is far from you so that I can lead them back to you. That is my prayer and he answers it every time. Do you know why? Because he is after the one. It is his heart, I'm just simply agreeing with his heart. How many more, how many more wanna come to Jesus? I see that hand, I see that. So for the sake of those two that raised their hand, let's all pray this prayer together. Jesus, I believe in you, I trust you. I believe that you died and that God raised you from the dead, Lord, I confess my sins to you and I plead the blood of Jesus over my life. Amen, give God a hand, give God a hand. And let me close with this one final thought. It's about wayward sons, and it's about a new sense, a renewed sense of pursuing those that are far from God. My prayer for this service is that something would change in our hearts each and every one of our hearts and and I'm not talking about hey a passionate sermon about the lost. <laughs> I'm not talking I'm not talking about it. I'm th- I'm talking about that God would do something that would shift the way we thought that it would be supernatural. I believe in this stuff. That it would be supernatural. Like it would be, it would be something that God would shift. And that when you left this service, that you couldn't look at a lost person the same. That you couldn't look at a wayward sheep the same. That you couldn't, you couldn't. You would have to pray a different way for people around us that are lost and going away. That it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a teaching that I, 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 I don't believe in. Like, hey, let's get everybody pumped up and then go out and then we just change for three hours. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a culture shift. I'm talking about a church shift. I'm talking about an identity shift, a mind shift. And here's what I, here's my question. Are you ready for that shift? If you're ready for that shift, I want you to lift your hands in your air. I don't want, if you're not ready for it, you just wait for the next sermon, that's fine. <laughs> I'm ready for a shift. Now listen to me, before you pray this prayer, you need to realize that this shift is gonna cause you to do things that you haven't done before. That on the other side of this shift is obedience to the word of the Lord. So that means that you need to get past your comfort zone. That means that you're gonna have to do things that you've never done before. And I'll tell you what, on the other side of this, Oh, jeez! On the other side of this, thousands of people coming to Jesus. On the other side of this shift, let's just get to that place where I believe in real things. Let's make a real decision this morning. So Lord, I come to you and I just thank you for, I thank you for those willing to go to the next level and seeking and saving those that are lost. We can't save them, but we are a conduit to the person that saves them. And Lord, I pray today that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would grip this church from leader to member, to volunteer, to every person that you would grip us with conviction. Grip us, wake us up in the middle of the night to pray for the lost. Wake us up in the middle of the night with a burden for the person in the convenience store, for the person at Walmart, for our coworker, that you would convict us right now. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you begin to give faces and names right now. He's giving you faces and names. I'm not talking about something that you'll do next week. I'm talking about something that you will do now. Living in the eternal now. In the eternal now, that we would be immediately obedient to the direction of the Holy Spirit. Right now, I pray for names, faces, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, that we would have significant conversations that were eternally focused so that we could help people come back or help people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And we would be known as a life-giving community that welcomes sinners, that's friends with sinners. Lord, I come against the Pharisee Pharisee spirit in this house. I declare it gone in the name of Jesus. I take care I pray in the radicals. Matter of fact, I I pray radicals in this church to such an extent that a Pharisee wouldn't even wanna be in here. I don't know if that's crossed the line, but I just crossed it. Lord, that this would be a house of freedom this would be a house of discovery, that this would be a house of purpose, that this would be a house of miracles, that this would be a house of renewing and refreshing, that this would be a house where your presence was so real, that your forgiveness was so real, that your love was so real that people would hear from it miles, hundreds of miles away that they would come because they know if I just get here, if I just meet somebody from Lighthouse, I will hear about Jesus, I will hear about his forgiveness. Lord, I pray for that shift right now that you would open the heavens and pour out your blessing in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Let me pause to make sure I didn't forget anything because this will determine my job. No, I did not forget anything. I'm good. Uh, We have Inside Lighthouse at the back. So if you're new here and you want to meet somebody and get some more information in the church, go to Inside Lighthouse. Um, If you are attending the baptism training, we're going to meet here. uh, Go get your kids. Come on back and it will be less than 30 minutes. That's what I'm aiming for, less than 30 minutes. God bless you.
1: Waking up to another. Are you ready?